Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Hey, listeners, welcome to another mashup with me here on the Leadership is Changing podcast. Great to be with you, and uh, thanks for joining me. But I just want to share with you right now the two wonderful guests that I had on this actual podcast from episode 303, Ruben Gonzalez. The title of that episode is Don't Quit, You're a Champion. Now, he is a four-time Olympian, and if you're really interested, go to the full episode because he shares with us that he started pretty late age-wise for an, for an Olympic athlete and uh, what he did uh, in the luge on the actual Winter Olympics. So four-time Olympian champion and uh, shares some wonderful things with me. And so here's a snippet in this mashup, a little bit from that episode 303. And of course, episode 305, John Morley. And John, is title of that episode is Be True to Oneself. And a really interesting guy to talk to. So he shares some really, really good insights on his snippet as well. All right, listeners, these mashups are to help you understand what these episodes are about. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the mashup. Uh, Ruben, I want to ask you a question here. This is in relation to who's your favorite leader and why. Now, this person can be alive or from history, but who is their favorite leader? Favorite, favorite. Probably, I'd have to say Mandela. I mean, just because, you know, I can't imagine being, you know, jailed for 27 years and then coming back and forgiving those guys and then bringing them in into your into your your new government. I mean, uh, it's just I've I've read several of his biographies and Mandela's number one, I think Gandhi and then Zelensky is way up there too. I mean, what this guy's doing is amazing. I mean, he's just became a leader overnight, you know, or he had it inside somewhere and it just came out. Amazing. It was almost like he was practicing as that actor slash comedian who was actually mimicking the leader. And then he was sort of like practicing and then they made him the leader in real life. And then, and a lot of the Western leaders sort of laughed at him, I think. And then he's now showing them the kind of leader he is because of what's been happening and the way he stood up. And, you know, you mentioned the word before about, the courage to get started, but you also talked about how to endure and, and not to quit. I think he's actually showing that. But also the other word you said was tenacity. And I think he's showing that in spades. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He's standing. Uh, I loved it when uh, when when they thought that he, he had run away. He says, no, I'm here. I'm here. I'm staying, you know, and, and uh, somebody offered him a flight out. And he said, no, I don't want to fly out. I just want help to fight this thing. What a yeah. Tough guy. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Now, if you were to have the opportunity to sit down with 
Selensky and for a coffee or Mandela on a park bench somewhere, what would be one question you might ask them? Obviously, you had that inside you. It just came out. But how? Where did you learn that? Did, did your parents teach you this? Where, where did it come from originally? I, I'd, want to, I'd want to know that. Hmm. I reckon that's, that's a really good question. I think that you're right. I think that'd be wonderful to know where it came from, but also how they, they made it come out. Yeah. Now, the title of the show is called Leadership is Changing. When I say that title or that statement, what does that mean for Ruben? It's funny. I was uh, having uh, coffee with a leadership coach, corporate leadership coach, a couple of weeks ago, and we got to talking about that. And I don't do any coaching. I'm just a keynote speaker. I'm the guy that tries to inspire people to you know, take action, basically, right? And we got to talking about leadership and how uh, today it seems like uh, you know everybody's soft and everybody, uh, uh, not everybody, but a lot of people seem, seem to be soft and uh, they don't know how to take criticism. They don't know how to, um, they take it personally, right? Instead of uh, as something that they can use, a clue they can use to be better in the future. And uh, I've, I have friends that are, uh, I have a friend that played, played tennis in Wimbledon and he coached a uh, number one player. And he says, today's players, I mean, you, as soon as you get a little tough on them, they, 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 they run. And then the parents back up the kids instead of backing up the coach. I mean, my dad always backed up the coach, <laughs> right? The, uh, the authority figure. I've got teacher friends that say the same thing. I, uh, my sister-in-law is a, a, a math teacher, and she says it's so tough because uh, you, you try to teach these kids, and, and uh, as soon as you, you know, get serious, they, they start whining. So it's this, this attitude, this soft attitude that makes it, I'm sure it makes it much more challenging for, for a leader to do their job. Hmm. And do you think, I wonder if there's some if it means also that some of the leaders are getting soft or is it more the employee side of things that I'm not sure? I hadn't thought about that, but, um, but it's, it's almost a mirrors this political correctness stuff where everybody's uh, walking on eggshells instead of saying what needs to be said. And so it's a, it's a sad, you know, state of affairs, really. I mean, it's, I'm not sure I know what the answer is. Uh, in fact, I, my, my first coaches were, my, well, my second coach, he was a three-time world champion and a four-time Olympian. And this guy was tough as nails. I mean, he was like General Patton. But we followed him because, you know, he'd been through the minefield, right? <laughs> my dad always said the best way to cross a minefield is follow somebody in their footsteps, right? Somebody that's crossed it already. And, and he was tough. And then I had another coach later. He was an American. He, he, um, he had a different personality. He was more of a field person, but he could get in my head better than the tough coach. And I was able to develop more as an athlete from this coach that understood how the mind works. He could get in your head than a coach who, who knew the technique, but maybe, maybe he was a great athlete, but not as good a coach, right? And when I say coach, you just think, or uh, you know, if you're listening out there, just think, just replace it with leader, right? Uh, or coach, boss, Leader, mentor, it's the same thing. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's uh, it's amazing. So how can we get into people's – and I'm not saying that you need to be a mind reader. I'm not saying that you have to go and manipulate people. We're not saying that at all. What we're mm -hmm. saying here no. is, is that we are actually working with people to get the best out of people by understanding what makes them tick. And I think the people that would have worked with you, Ruben, was to understand what made you tick for you to be the best athlete that you could be. Yeah. Yeah. My kids did judo at the Olympic training center for about seven years. And, uh, they, they were, 
they, they trained under the U.S. coach. And this was the first American to win a, a medal at the Olympics in the sport of judo. And this guy is another guy that's very tough as nails, right? But he has a, he has a soft side too, but he's tough and underneath. And uh, when we first went, our daughter was 10 and our son was six. And he said, we're going to have to manage your son's expectations because girls, they, they uh, mature faster and she's already four years older. She's going to do better. I said, coach, whatever you say, we'll do. So Grayson, our son, he, for the first uh, year and a half, he didn't win a single bout in, in six tournaments, right? I, I tell him, man, you know what the ceiling of every dojo in Colorado looks like. You're always on your back, but you're growing, buddy. You're growing. Don't quit on me. One of these days is going to pop out, right? Just like it popped out in Zelensky, right? It's going to pop out, right? Because because you have to win the personal victories before you can have the public victory, right? So um, meanwhile, his sister, Gabriella, she's winning medals left and right, right? And so it was very tough for him, but he just kept it, kept going. Before the seventh tournament, coach says, I think, you know, keep an eye on him. I think he's going to do well this time. So he wins. He, he brings his medal. And he's all, you know, so excited. And uh, I told him, yeah, 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 the medal is nice. But what you know what I'm proud of? I'm proud you didn't quit when 99% of the people would have quit. That's what shows you're a champion, right? You, you take that attitude anywhere in life. You're going to be a champ in whatever you want to do. And so... So here you have another coach that's tough, right? But he has a soft side. He knew how to talk to the kids. He knew how to make it fun. But at the same time, I've seen him kick out national level guys from his team because they were cussing at the dojo. He wouldn't put up with that, right? So he set standards. He wasn't soft. He just knew how to be uh, kind, right? Uh, and, and to um, get people to understand that he cared for them, that he had their best, you know, their best interests in, you know, in in mind. And it's a team effort, right? The coach's job is to teach and to correct and to lead the way. And the athlete's job is to work their tail off and do whatever the coaches say. And if they both do their job, they have a better shot of, you know, the team winning. And that's business or sports. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love it. And I like the I like what you talk about. You keep saying about popping out, how it just pops out. There's a there's a guy here in New Zealand or in New Zealand, he's just become number one squash player in the world. And he became world champion and things like that. Now he's been number two or number three for years, and he's playing against the same guys. But all of a sudden, the last six months, something has popped out. Something has changed. Something, and and they were actually interviewing him yesterday, saying to him, "What's changed for you? What what has actually changed?" And he's like, "Oh, we've we've. I mean, the coach and I have talked about a few things more, but something's just popped out. It's just happened." And, well, they um, say that. <laughs> Well, yeah, his mindset, it was it, 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 he, it, he broke through. Something broke through. Yeah, and, something has broken uh, through, yeah. So you're you're New Zealander. I, I was trying yeah. to figure out. Okay, I got to tell you my New Zealand story then. Go for it. <laughs> about, uh, about a year before the Salt Lake City Olympics, I had a terrible crash in St. Moritz in Switzerland. And I broke my hand, broke my foot, but that's easy. You wait six weeks and, uh, and it's, you know, put a cast on for six weeks and it's fine. But I couldn't afford another sled. And so I made a list of all the, all my luge buddies, you know, who, who I could borrow a sled from. And Adam Cook from New Zealand luge team, he lent me his, right? He says, but you, 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 you mess it up. You don't fix it. You buy me a new one. I said, done, Adam. You got it. And, but Adam's shorter than me. So it was a little bitty sled, right? But I, I qualified for uh, Salt Lake and I raced in Salt Lake on that little bitty sled because it's better than sliding on your rear end. You do what you can with what you have right now. No excuses, right? And that's another leadership, uh, uh, you know, attitude, right? Before 
when I was training for Vancouver, one of the races was going to be in Lillehammer. I'd never raced in Lillehammer before. And uh, I needed to do well because you have to get enough World Cup points to be in the top 40 in the world. And so I went to Lillehammer about a month before for a couple of weeks of training. And coming out of curve 13, it looks like it's just it's just a trick of the mind. It looks like you're going to hit the wall. And so I would make a little jerk mo- motion from, from the fear, and that would put me into a skid. And I get myself out of the skid before 14, but I lost so much time that, you know, I would have blown the race. And coach said, what's going on? What are you doing, man? You're coming out. Your line out of 13 is fine. And then he showed me on the videos that, yeah, my line was just as good as the best, right? I said, man, it just looks like I'm going to crash. Well, well, relax. Don't. Well, he was saying it the wrong way, and he wasn't helping me. I go back to Houston, and I've got a friend who's a sports psychologist. And, and he said, bring your sled, and, uh, you know, let's, let's see if we can fix that, right? It's just a mental block. We lay on his, on his living room carpet, and uh, he says, okay, do mind runs, right? Visualization runs, and tell me what you feel when you're coming out of 13. And I kept, t- and, and bear with me, right? I'm going to ask you a bunch of times till it comes out of your mind, right? I don't know what's going to make it el- elicit the response. So he keeps asking me, and finally I said, here it comes. He said, what? Here it comes. You're being totally reactive, man. You got to be proactive. Here I come. You're going to stick it to the track, not the other way around. So that became my new mantra. Here I come. Here I come. Here I come. I put it on the cowling of my sled. So it's the last thing I see. I put it in front of my driving, you know, my, my steering wheel, my bookmarks everywhere. Here I come. I go back for the race and boom, no problem. I mean, just came out of 13, no problem. So it's just a little, see, a little tweak like that can change. So that's probably something like that probably happened to that uh, squash player. Something happened that tweaked some kind of mental block and that bumped him up from two to one. He's not going back down. Who's your favorite leader? Now, this person can be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? My favorite leader, it's going to be two people. One is a person that that just died uh, not too long ago, a few years ago, uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Followed all his books, all his teachings. Um, the things he learns from Patanjali's, and the other one is going to be Earl Nightingale Conan. Oh wow, cool! Where he shares the whole thing about you know we change our words, we change our thoughts, we change our thoughts, we change our mind, and that is in fact what we want to do to improve our life. So I like these two people because they wrote books, they wrote examples, and they didn't give you a step by step approach. But what they did do is teach you by immersion. Now, for those of you that are listening, what am I talking about? Immersion. Now, we're not talking about something crazy. When you learn a language in life or you have to learn something that might be a little difficult, if you learn it by immersion, it will be easy. And so the, what I tell people is this. If you want to learn something, regardless of what it is, I don't care. The first thing I want to find out, Dennis, is what is it that you do that's somewhat like this, even if it's not even close? Because if I can build parallels and connections to them, I'm going to start to create synaptics in your brain from the left to the right. And the more connections we have, the more intelligent we have, intelligence we have. And that happens because we're using our information in more ways possible. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is huge. Those two gentlemen in particular, massive. And what you're saying about the immersion, really love it. And dude, Earl Nightingale, I mean, that is... For me, one of my people that I've actually really admired over the years as well, and Bob Proctor, kind of guy who's actually worked with the old Nightingale and took on his. his I followed a little bit of Bob Proctor. 
Um, I like some of the stuff he's done. The thing that I liked about Earl Nightingale Conant and I guess all company is that when I first started with them, they used to give you f- things for free. You could get it for 30 days and then not pay for it for 30 days. So they had this real embracing spirit of wanting people to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Bob Proctor is very good too. And some of these other people are good, but I just felt that Earl Nightingale Conant and even Dr. Dwayne Dyer, they weren't trying to sell you a 5000 or a $10,000 weekend. They just were trying to get a book in your hands so yep. that you could explore just like rich dad, poor dad. Yep. Yep. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good points. Very good points. And so leaders, uh, listeners, as you're listening to this today, it's about how you can implement things and help people with things and give as much as you can around that. And uh, it's a good idea too, John. Now, John, the show is called Leadership is Changing. When I mentioned that title or that statement, what does that mean for you? So leadership is changing because... For a while, people would always say leadership is only in corporate America, and you might have it in some charities. But that's been changing a lot, especially after the pandemic is kind of, let's say, going into remission, hopefully. People have started to realize, which is a really good thing, that they're more than they believe they were. They've had the time to think. And I believe that we're going to see more people, sorry, corporate companies, um, them leaving those corporate companies because they're getting burnt out, okay? They need to realize that there's lots of things you could do that you could make 10 times more money than you'd ever work there. And you could work less amount of time and you could get appreciation and people to thank you for it. I had something else um, that was a very big leadership thing for me. Uh, You know, I have have several companies, but one company I have um, started in college and they kind of grew it. And I had one of the largest advertising and marketing companies working for me. 11 years ago, I decided to do something that only a leader would do. I said, how do I fire these people? They're not doing their job. And we're always taught when we hire and fire people, hire slow, fire fast. And so I said, how do I become somewhat like these people, at least the good parts of them? And I realized that these big companies... They don't even print their own stuff. They say they do, but they send it out. I said, I don't want to do that. I want to be like them, but I want to be a one-stop in-house that actually does what we say we're going to do. So I went to Xerox, who we're a client of, and we had some. Uh, we, had a, we had a copier and MFC machine from them. And I went there one time and I said, guys, how do I become a small mom and pop print shop? They looked at me. They said, John, it'd be 150. I said, I'll give you the 150 bucks right now. You want to put on my credit card? No, John, 150,000. Well, I had a little bit of a heart moment there. And meanwhile, they're whining and dining me breakfast, lunch, and I'm falling in love with this machine that's 150 grand. I go to my bank. Use your bank, say no. Well, my bank said yes. I said, oh boy, now what do I do? Your bank's supposed to say no. Mine said yes. Something's wrong with my bank. And I went there. Long story short, I got the loan. But I decided to do my first bit of creative leadership. I only got 130000 I said I got 150, which is what I did get. When I went back to Xerox, I said, guys, I got some good news and some bad news for you. Good news is I got the loan. The bad news is I am so embarrassed that because of my credit, I couldn't get the whole 150000 All they would loan me is $130,000. i am really sorry I wasted your time. If you want me to pay you for the lunch or the breakfast, I'm more than happy to do it. I knew what I was doing. I sat down in my chair, John, can we get you coffee, bait? And no, I don't want anything. I'm kind of in a rush. Oh, just, just sit, sit tight. I mean, have a water. They went in. Guy comes rushing out. I said, okay. I said, I said, what's the matter? He says, John, you're in luck. I said, I just told you I don't have all the money. No, no, that's okay. You see, 
We're actually doing a promotion starting this today to next Friday on any production machine. We're throwing in 40 hours of training and we're taking a $30,000 rebate um, off a $20,000 rebate off of the top. So the 130, you're in taxes. It's all in 130 and training. I said, wow, got signed up, got the training, went back into this company, New York, knocked on the door. I'll skip way ahead of all the stuff. Long story short, I said to them, thank you. We had a great run. And we're done. And I went through that a couple of people. And when I shared with them what was happening, and that was I was starting my own company, they almost died. And then they came back me uh, two years later when we we're getting successful after we failed. And they said, John, we want to help you. And I said to them, I know you want to help me. You want to take me to lunch, but you can't help me because they wanted to take some of my clients. And I knew this. I said, why would I do that? Why would I ruin a perfectly good reputation and destroy it with you in a fraction of a second? I got a better idea. Why don't we take some of those clients that are going to leave you, that are probably on the verge of suing you, or just haven't really told you because you're still in denial that they're actually quitting your services. Why don't we take some of them, do an ROI, we get a good marketing campaign together, we show them a profit, make them happy, and get them to continue to do more business with us and grow together, and you can keep your name, and we won't put our name on there. He said, well, John, that's a little bit above my pay grade. I said, you know what? When you're able to make those kinds of decisions – then, and only then, can you take me out for lunch. <laughs> nice. Good job. Well done. In other words, listeners, you need to think outside the box, get things happening, and then go for it and do things maybe differently. And that's why leadership is changing. We need to look at things differently. Whoa, listeners, what a wonderful mashup that's been with Ruben Gonzalez and John Morley. Uh, Ruben is from episode 303. When is your talent or success going to pop? When's it going to pop out? Man, there was some really good stuff that he shared there. I just loved it. And don't quit. You're a champion. And do what you can with what you have. And John Morley, of course, talked about thinking outside the box and then going for it. Listeners, great insights in this mashup. I highly recommend that you go and listen to episode 303 and 305. And if you wanted to listen to the last few mashups that we've had, some uh, wonderful guests and sharing some snippets, but go back to the episodes. I think it's just highly, highly cool stuff. And I'm really enjoy, I really enjoyed listening to these again based on what the guests are sharing with me when I'm interviewing them. All right, team, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for joining me on The Mashup. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.